Quantspeak, expert insights from quants for quants. Welcome to Quantspeak, a new podcast from the CQF Institute at Fitch Learning. Hi, I'm Dan Tudball, editor of Wilmot Magazine, and this is Quantspeak. I'm very pleased to be joined today uh, by somebody who's been on a very interesting journey from aeronautics through to quantum computing in the financial industry and beyond. So uh, our guest today is Dr. Araceli Benegas Gomez, who is the founder and uh, chief executive of Cureca, Quantum Resources and Careers, which evangelizes and educates about the opportunities and advancements in quantum computing. And uh, I'm looking very much forward to having a chat today. Araceli also presented at the recent machine learning conference presented by the CQF Institute, alongside uh, speakers such as John Hull, Alexander Sokol, and so on. So we'll have a little chat about her takeaways from that experience as well. Welcome, Araceli. Thank you very much for having me here. Our pleasure. First off, uh, I'd like to touch on your uh, your talk at the uh, machine learning conference, Quantum Solutions in Finance. Um, would you give me a sort of a brief overview of where you think uh, quantum computing is in the in the minds of people in the finance industry at the moment? Certainly, I see it as having the potential of capturing the imagination, much as the way that uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence certainly uh, taken the uh, the steering wheel of uh, of things as we find it at the moment. So I'm very interested to see what uh, your overview of that is in the context of the finance industry, and particularly in terms of how quant finance practitioners should be engaging with quantum computing at this point in time? I think that we really need to differentiate because in uh, in general, from when we look at end users in quantum computing or in quantum technologies in general, there are some that when you say something and you mention quantum is either very scary or something really cool, but they're, I don't know, they think about black holes or something really esoteric. So I think that quantum is still in the, in the very early stages of development of this technology. And when we mention it, most of the people uh, in finance and in other business sectors, they still feel that it's far away. But yeah, well, it's, it's not here yet, but it's under development. And in order to develop that, we need to understand really how we can use it. We really need to think about applications and start training the workforce. Uh, professionals need to start thinking about upskilling and reskilling themselves in into quantum technologies. They need to understand that this is something that is coming. They need to start understanding the potential applications and start being trained for that. That said, I think in the last years, more and more financial institutions have been part of what we call the quantum ecosystem. We have seen more banks and other entities really starting with proof of concepts and other kind of specific applications uh, where they have been trying to see whether whether there is a quantum advantage right it's like you have a when we talk about quantum computing you have a particular problem and you know that is either very difficult to have an answer for that problem or you know that if you could solve that problem 
either faster or more accurate, that will give you a much, much added value. And that's all about quantum computing, right? It's about understanding what could be the problems where there is that advantage using quantum instead of classical computing. And there have been uh, several companies that have been doing that. I think if I look at the market right now in the financial institutions, probably by 2018 or so, the, the first, the first uh, let's say, learners and, and players in the field started with quantum. Now, more and more uh, are being aware that this is coming. And when we go to different events and conferences, some of them are interested in in just getting started. That's the biggest question that I hear over and over again. How do I start with quantum? What's the process? And that's actually what we do with Coneca, right? And in the last year, it's a lot about training. It's a lot about awareness. And it's not just the, call it, I don't know, the quantum ambassador or the, you know, the kind of a, the just one person within the institution that is the one who knows about quantum. It's about, spreading that information within the companies. So one thing that we have seen is that more and more companies are coming to us and say, we would like to train our workforce. Maybe we're starting with five, with 10, with 30 people, but that is actually, uh, I think more and more in the, at least in the pipeline of the strategy for financial institutions. It's a fascinating area to be beginning to engage with. And it certainly helps that there is a fear uh, there is a fear. I came across this uh, Y2Q, the fear that uh, in less than six years, uh, quantum computers will be able to basically break any cryptographic uh, lock and so on. So there is that fear aspect. And then obviously there is the speed up aspect, which is going to appeal to everybody who's looking for efficiency who isn't, right? One of the questions that I have on that aspect of things, the the impending fear and the possibility that uh, it's really something that the industry needs to engage with now in order to avoid a terrible situation in, in, in maybe 10 years time. Do you think that that points to a future that is far more different than what we might be imagining now with talk of decentralized finance and the the uh, you know the the interplay between uh, conventional financial markets and the decentralized financial markets that seems to be where a lot of the talk is now and the ideas the the envisioning of the future but this quantum computing impact do you think that that could really significantly change the way people think about what the future of the financial industry really is going to be my take on, on this is uh, yes, I think we are with quantum technologies in general as we were with uh, computers in the 60s. And I always like this picture where there are massive things in the room and they were using these punching cards, right? That was a computer. You think that those people could imagine that a computer would be the, the size of your hand and you could put it in your pocket? The concept of what a computer is now has nothing to do with the concept then, right? So I think that even if we try to envision the applications of how it's gonna change uh, particular business sectors, in this case, the financial sector, and even our society and our lives, I think there are a lot of unknowns. So that's that would be really my answer. I think it's gonna be quite different, maybe not in 10 years, but probably in 30 or 50 years. 
Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the conference that you participated in, because, you know, that was a, a machine learning focused conference. And um, from the talks that that you had a had a had a listen in on, were there any sort of key takeaways that you had for yourself from that, which might be one useful for you in terms of your own uh, your own project to educate quantum, understanding what the current computational uh, fixations are, if you will, of of the industry at the moment. Yes, what were the key takeaways that you found most useful from from the conference that you spoke at, and and how would you see that sort of aligning with your own mission? To be honest, uh, my um, the, the thing that impressed me the most is the number of people who joined. That's uh, when I when I asked for the numbers, I was really amazed by that, and um, not only in my talk but in general. So that for me it means that there is really huge potential of professionals in, in the fintech sector, the quants, that could be retrained and upskilled in, into quantum computing. So for me, that opened really a door to say, we don't need to go to quantum conferences. We know who's there already. We need to go to newcomers, right? To, we need to go to um, a different kind of event where the the audience is really new to quantum because that's our role is bringing quantum to new business, to new to new individuals and to the society in general. So I think for me, that was really the most important thing as well as understanding as well that there are a lot of things in machine learning. Quantum computing is coming, but quantum machine learning is something that a lot of people need to think about. It's kind of, I don't know how, if I say in between, maybe it's not clear, but what we want to say is that we are using classical computers to operate what we call quantum machine learning algorithms. So it's machine learning the algorithms that you will use in a quantum computer, but actually use right now classical computers. And that will mean that the amount of data that you are managing when you have a machine learning problem in um, the concept of the, the speed up that a quantum computer is going to give you, that link that is quantum machine learning, that is going to be much, much powerful. And that is going to be really in the short and midterm coming to the financial sector. And there are first not many experts in quantum machine learning. Not many people, uh, I think, are realizing that, that there is that kind of in-between solution until we have quantum computers ready. Um, and I think that that's for me, again, is an opportunity here to bring those concepts to quants and to the financial sector in general. Certainly, some uh, some high-profile quants have already been um, dabbling. I would say more than dabbling in in quantum questions. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Alexandra uh, Kondratiev, who's with the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, and uh, he's published a couple of papers on quantum in in our in our own publication, Wilmot Magazine, which have received a lot of interest. Um, I think that um, one of the interesting things is, yes, what is a machine learning problem going to look like in 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 the quantum context? And that leads on to the fact that 
quantum really requires a, 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 a very different way of thinking about things. Now, my knowledge of quantum kind of comes down to a few quotes from Einstein about spooky interactions at a distance and trying to understand that uh, a qubit is neither here nor there until you actually, you know, uh, impose something on it. Um, but what can you say about the difference in the way that people are going to have to think? One of our regular uh, contributors to the magazine, David Orrell, is very much evangelizing uh, quantum at the moment. And a lot of what he's talking about at the moment is that even basic options theory has to be thought about differently when you start looking at it in a in a quantum environment. Uh, these are all very exciting things. What What's your uh, feedback on that? Again, a very good question. Um, a lot of people are coming to us and say, do I need to go back to quantum physics, foundations of quantum mechanics and understand the Hamiltonians and all these uh, very strange things, the Schrodinger equation and so on? The answer is no. So don't worry. Um, but it's true that in order to understand how to apply an algorithm for a specific problem, I think the journey is, first, you need to understand a little bit of quantum. And that means really basic. So in this case, for quantum computing, you don't need to understand really how a computer is made, right? But you understand when you, when you have logic, logical gates and how the operations work on a computer, how that will translate into an algorithm. That's what we do classically, right? So we are saying that we give you the basic foundation of those concepts in the quantum world. And that will mean that things, will, well, they behave differently at that scale, right? Because instead of just having bits of information, either zero or one, by the principle of superposition of quantum mechanics, until you don't measure, in this case, your unit of information, it could be anywhere between zero and one. And that's really the the speed up, the potential of quantum computing. That's what we call a quantum bit or qubit. Now, that means that if you have two bits of information, each of them is going to be either a zero or a one, right? So you will have two units of information. If you have two qubits, when you measure them, because it can be a zero of a one, you will have two to the power of two potential options for each of those qubits. So you will have four units of information. So you can imagine that if you have a n number of qubits, two to the power of n, if n is very large, that's a very large number. That means that numbers of operations that can be done is exponentially bigger than what you have in a classical computer. So, <coughs> so that means that at least that kind of a very basic concept is very useful because that will help you understand how you are going to translate your problem into a quantum problem. Now, the second step, you have a lot of algorithms in computational uh, and quantitative finance. So quants know perfectly what is the algorithm that you need for a particular problem. The next question is, how do you translate that problem that you know in classical computing to a quantum computer? So once you have the concept of quantum and you have the basic of gate operation, matrix operation in quantum computer, now you need to translate a classical problem that you apply in finance to the quantum problem. Now, there are several algorithms that have been already 
a researcher that, that they have been um, used for potential applications, but not all problems have already, let's say, the translated counterpart in quantum. So I think a lot of work is going to be trying to come up with either a better way to translate classical algorithms into quantum or to come up with new algorithms. That's, I think, the most interesting part is we are not saying that you're going to take exactly the same and you're going to put it in a quantum computer instead of classical computer. You need that translation part. And for that, you need some basic knowledge about it. And I think um, for what I have heard from people in, in some institutions, if you know the quantitative and computational finance basics, and you know a little bit of quantum uh, added to basis of quantum computing, then it's much easier to learn quantum computing algorithms for applications in finance. So that's kind of the journey. But um, don't worry, <laughs> everything uh, um, is, uh, it, th there is already a path to be able to do that. Don't think that in three days or in one month, people are going to be experts because that's also very, very important. It's a, it's a learning path, but a lot of people are doing it. And again, it, the time is now because it's the beginning, because there is a lot of opportunities and a, a lot of discovery to be done. Um, because I think it's very, very interesting and, and amazingly motivating to be part of the, the, the creation of these new algorithms for finance in quantum computers. This excitement, I think, provides a, a good segue to discussing your own career path, because you, from your bio, I see that you were with Airbus for several years as an aerospace engineer. And then, by and by, you found a fascination in, in quantum, and you did your PhD in that. Can you tell us about that progression? I mean, what was what was it that took you into aeronautical engineering? And I'm sure the underpinnings of that were what established that fascination with, with quantum and has brought you to this current point. So I'd love to hear more about that. That's a very long story. <laughs> Um, so making the story very short, of course, um, I think everyone that likes science and technology in general, um, there is always this fascination for outreach and public communication when you read about this, when you hear a black hole or quantum, is that that brings already the excitement, right? So that happened to me from a very early age. I ended up studying aerospace engineering um, and then I went to different countries, different opportunities. And I ended up working for Airbus in, in Germany. But the truth is that I still wanted to continue learning uh, these fantastic things. And I found a master in medical physics. And you would say, why? Why? Because first, I could do it at the same time that I was working. And secondly, because there, it was really multidisciplinary. It, it, you have to learn biology, chemistry, uh, mathematics, physics, um, anatomy and um, so there, there is really a lot of all the pure sciences that you need to touch upon that and I thought that that was fascinating and how you apply that into technology what happened was that I started to learn about the magnetic resonant imaging and even so even in the past I tried to study quantum physics by myself I kind of decided that yeah I had no time or it was, uh, it was quite um, yeah difficult to do it by myself so I kind of abandoned that route. But when I uh, learned again about magnetic resonant imaging um, and the basic principle, how it works, that is quantum mechanics, 
that came again and he's like well I love this too much and I love that too much so much that I started to take holidays from my career in in Airbus that it was working quite well actually um to go to conferences and learn more about quantum mechanics and all that and actually I I asked myself that very very hard question that I think all people should ask themselves at one point in life and he's like what do I want to do with my life in the next years and my answer was, I want to learn quantum mechanics. So I decided to apply for PhDs in quantum mechanics uh, all over the world, to be honest. And I got a lot of rejection. I got a lot of rejection because I'm an engineer. And for physicists, sometimes if you're an engineer, you don't know enough physics or mathematics, which is obviously wrong. So you can understand from that how much I believe in multidisciplinarity and I'm coming from other fields to learn new things. So I got the chance, uh, long story, but I finally got the chance after years of trying to move to Glasgow in Scotland to pursue a PhD in quantum simulation. They offered me a master's and then I did the PhD. Now that was 2015 and that was the beginning of starting to hear quantum technologies as a new field that it was become, it was supposed to become a new market, new business. But most of the people who were involved in that market, we are talking about academics and researchers. And I was coming from industry. And when I was going to these events and they were talking about all that, the people from the companies, when I talked to them, they were, they were just speaking a completely different language of the researchers and the academics. And I realized that I had a very strategic and interesting position because I could understand both worlds. So I wanted to start thinking, how can I do something that is bridging the gap between the technical and the research, the very fundamental part of all this technology to the business and use applications of the technology from the market and the business perspective. And what I did was really a lot of um, network, getting involved in absolutely everything that you can imagine from the launch of the quantum technologies flagship in Europe, the program in, in the US, all what was happening in the UK. And that network and um, kind of understanding where the gaps were was really like, yeah, there is something to be done here. We need to bring quantum in an easy way that people understand the potential, but also being realistic. The hype, I was always against this hype about quantum from the very beginning. Um, well, I got a fellowship from the Optical Society in US. And thanks to that, I created the company in 2019. So that's the journey. And what is really curious about is that actually my last job in Airbus was called resource management. And that was really looking at the future. What would be the, the new innovation projects? What are we going to be doing in the future? And what are the skills, competencies and different resources that we are going to be needing for that? So if you think about all that, it's actually what I'm trying to do right now with, with Quantum. It's about understanding what we will need for quantum in the short, mid and long term and creating resources, in this case, training um, that is really um, opening the, the page so for, for everyone to be part of the journey and part of the workforce in quantum at uh, these different time stages. Absolutely. And I think the point that you make about the multidisciplinary aspect of things is very important because uh, yes, there is a tendency for uh, for industries and uh, and 
areas of research to become too siloed and not actually see that there are congruent and also uh, uh, complementary paths of research and application which are going on in other in other fields. That brings to mind the fact that with quantum, certainly, it seems to be an area which attracts uh, uh, researchers, practitioners, philosophers at this point in time, trying to envision and work out what those applications are going to be, uh, which is which is really the, the the core of what makes it so exciting for me at the moment. I think you're talking about training. What do you think? Uh, what does module one? for somebody who who wants to get into this and is thinking about thinking about it just in terms of ensuring their uh, their career in the future you know maybe they've got 20 30 years 40 years stretching out ahead of them what's module 1 of that training program going to look like would you say I think it's really an awareness about what is all this about. You don't need to go into the basic of physics in module one. You need to understand a little bit holistically um, what quantum technologies as a new field means, why there is um, this um, excitement all over the world, who are the players, what does it mean for you as an individual or as a company, what could be the potential applications uh, and then from that, understanding really where you want to go in, in your career path or in your strategy as a business, and then try to to really um, start the journey. That it will mean going, obviously, deeply in into the technology and understanding more about the, the concepts. So the very first module, I would say, is not about physics, but it's more about understanding the ecosystem and the opportunities. And then you go into the into the physics, and of course, um, once you go deeper and deeper, it's gonna be more technical. So that that's why we say it's the beginning, the beginner course, no formulas. And then if you go to the advanced one, you need to be ready to see some formulas and a lot of coding. Right, and that's where I drop off <laughs> once, I'm, <laughs> once I'm confronted by a formula, which is absolutely ironic because I've spent the last twenty years surrounded by them. It's really excellent um, that we're able to engage with you and introduce your message to the the CQF uh, membership. And uh, I, I should plug in the fact that uh, the, the the talk that you gave and and uh, the other luminaries that were uh, present at the uh, machine learning conference are available for free for CQF Institute members. Now, in terms, I'm interested to know in terms of... Uh, your journey uh, under Kareka's sale. Do you feel that there are any particular industries which are sort of better uh, attuned to the, the potential or gearing up in a more meaningful way at this point in time? Let me give you the example that a lot of people are like, but what could be the use cases that you, you can have with quantum computing in this case, right? Any kind of problem where as I said before, where having the solution faster or more accurate, that's the kind of problems that you're looking at. So opti optimization problems. Um, and in finance, there are a lot of them. So that's really the, the kind of first step is um, understanding 
what could be those kind of problems that um that you can start seeking that that advantage and i would say that uh, a lot of financial institutions have been really well um starting playing with with that but in in the really short term it's going to be basically that is trying to find the advantage with what we have right now uh, and then more and more discovering new algorithms in the long term it's about those problems that we don't have a solution now that are very difficult even if you put a lot of hpc together right and that's uh, that's very interesting because that will mean uh, in other business sectors for example the design of drugs for, for pharmaceuticals, uh, material designs, for manufacturing. Material is very, very important. If you think about history, every big kind of um, uh, historical uh, age is based on materials, right? It's like you have the, um, the Iron Age, the Bronze Age. I think once we have really in the long-term quantum computers where you could design um, materials uh, at the quantum level. If we are able to do that, that's going to be revolutionary. So short-term is the problems that where that kind of speed up, optimization problems, um, we just need to see whether quantum computers are going to give us an advantage now or we need to wait. That's basically it. And then more and more is about those difficult problems with a lot of parameters and, well, in the very long term, things that we cannot even imagine now. A very exciting future in prospect. Going back to the first question that I asked as a conclusion, um, which ties in with what you've been saying there, I think there's been a lot of hype and a lot of excitement, obviously, with uh, the crypto markets, which are a representation of the decentralized finance ideal. And then we have the, the conventional model, which we've been operating under more or less for the last uh, 100 years in terms of the actual relationships between uh, the uh, the parts and players. Do you think that quantum a quantum approach and access to quantum computing better facilitates one approach over the other? Could it be the the thing that completely ends up with a, a decentralized financial world economy? Or do we go the other way? Or is it going to be something that we haven't even envisioned yet? Very hard question, right? <laughs> um, actually, it was just, I don't know, a couple of days ago that I remember that it was maybe around 2019, a lot of people were mentioning and talking about the concept of quantum money and to be honest i haven't heard uh, about it in in the last years i know what happened about that and i mentioned this because what i want to say is that a lot of people have been thinking about it and the applications of quantum or the interrelation between quantum technologies as a whole um blockchain and decentralized um, um, currencies is something that people have been discussing, but me, I'm not an expert in the topic, of course. Um, I haven't seen anything quite, let's say, decisive to be able to give you an answer. So I think there is a lot of research to be done, but I wanted to mention that thing. Quantum money um, and the link between 
blockchain in particular and quantum. There are some papers out there. So please, if you're interested, just uh, Google it because I think that could be uh, a very starting point to be able to answer that question in the future. Great. Well, Araceli, thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate the time you spared for us, and we hope that uh, you're going to be able to come back to the CQF Institute and keep us updated on uh, all of the latest advancements in, in quantum computing in terms of practical application. So we very much look forward to that. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Great. Uh, I was joined today by Araceli Benegas-Gomez from Cureca. For CQF Institute members, you can, as I mentioned earlier, but I will plug it again, you can catch up with uh, Araceli's presentation from the recent machine learning conference online for free. And if you haven't signed up yet, I don't understand why, because as I said, it's free. And uh, and she was uh, joined by uh, other speakers, including John Hull, uh, Alexander Sokol, Edith Mandel, Aaron Brown, Daniel Block, and Jesper Andresen. Thank you very much for your time again, Araceli. Thank you for listening to QuantSpeak. Don't forget to subscribe and do sign up to the CQF Institute for more insights into